But I just got to get with this plan. And it's a daily plan. So I start each day off fresh. I try not to concern myself with what I did yesterday, although what I do today is a prime concern. I can't really affect what I do tomorrow, so it's today. So one day at a time, that's a popular saying for those that struggle with addictions and things like that. It's to take it one day at a time. Hi, and welcome to the Solving Type 2 Diabetes Podcast. I'm Tom, and I'll be your host as I share what I'm doing in my daily life to solve my type 2 diabetes. Listen in as I share the food, movement, and tools that I'm using each day. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only. For a full transcript or to follow the Solving Type 2 Diabetes podcast on social media, please head over to solvingtype2diabetes.com for all those links and more. Now, on to the show. Thanks very much for joining me here on another episode of Solving Type 2 Diabetes Podcast. I appreciate the fact that you're spending your time here with me and uh, hope I make it valuable for you. So let's take a look here at my last two weeks. It's been two weeks since the last episode. And during that time, I had a, an appointment at my Uh, eye doctor. I guess those are called ophthalmologists or maybe optometrists. I think an ophthalmologist is more of a doctor and an optometrist is more of a eye machine operator. I'm not really sure of the distinction. If somebody knows, let me know. But I went in for my annual appointment and not everybody gets an eye exam every year, but I think with my type 2 diabetes diagnosis, it's very important because one of the One of the things that can really creep up on you is changes to your eyesight, and that is a symptom. Problems with eyesight is definitely a symptom of advanced type 2 diabetes. I do go get a full eye exam every year without fail, and I also always get that image, the back of the retina scan. It's like a photograph they take so they can actually see the individual vessels and whatnot, the optic nerve, and they keep those photographs on file and compare them year to year. Now my prescription for my eyeglasses has not really changed in several years. I can't remember, maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe my prescription changed a little bit, maybe less than that, maybe seven or eight, but I'm really not getting any prescription changes. In fact, my eye doctor said this time that my sight was improving just a little bit, not really noticeable. In fact, if she were to change my prescription, it would actually reduce my nearsightedness by just a little bit. I see up close fairly well. I do have progressive lenses on my eyeglasses to where I can get a little bit of help close up, mid-distance, and then far distance. It's the far distance, she says, that is getting just a hair better. It's not enough to change the prescription, and it's really almost imperceivable, but technically there is a slight improvement. So I'm really happy that she's giving me a clean bill of health for my eyes. Uh, She knows that I have type 2 diabetes, and... She always asks what my latest A1C was, 
And uh, so she keeps track of that, and that's why she agrees that the back of the eye image, I think they call that a retina scan, if I believe. I'm not really sure, but I know it's a photograph, and she shows me the photographs they take on her computer there. And she says there is no change to that. Oftentimes, if you have uncontrolled high blood sugar, they can actually see physical changes in the back of your eye from year to year. And she says mine is staying very consistent, so I'm happy about that. Clean bill of health for my eyesight, which is an important thing. Now, that was certainly a positive thing in the last two weeks. A negative thing in the last two weeks, and I'm almost hesitant to admit this, but one of the things about this podcast is that it's supposed to help me by being transparent and accountable to you. So here goes. I have been overindulging in Christmas treats. We have had a lot of the, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but we live right near Hershey's. Hershey is our local brand of chocolate, and I've been eating a lot of the Hershey miniatures. We have them around for when the kids and grandkids are here and they're expected and we put them in their Christmas stockings still and things like that. We have bowls of candy sitting out when we have people over around the holidays this time of year. And I have really been getting into them to the point that I had to go replace them. What we needed to have for various celebrations, I ate through most of those and had to go replace them. There have been several days in the last two weeks where I have not stuck to my plan. Now, you probably recall that a big part of my plan is limiting the amount of carbohydrates I eat. I certainly want to keep them below 100 grams of carbohydrates a day. I find that really works well for me. In fact, I usually average below 80 grams of carbohydrates on the days that I stick to my plan. The problem is I got to think that even more than half of the days in the last two weeks I have not stuck to my plan and I tend not to record that in my fitness pal I talk about it when I just go freewheeling and it's always at night it's always after dinner now my plan is to not eat after 6 p.m. we tend to go to bed early I start getting ready for bed around 9:30, and certainly lights out before 11 sometimes 10:30. But my plan is to not eat after 6 p.m. And when I do, that usually is tied in with a good day of following my plan. I get a good night's sleep. I'm not spending my night hours digesting food. But these last two weeks, I have just thrown that out the window on many days. Now, if you remember, I took Manjaro for nine months of this past year, and During that time, I certainly did not have that issue, but I'm not taking Manjaro now. My A1C is low enough that I don't qualify, and I'm not overweight. I am a little overweight. I'm not obese, but I just got to get with this plan, and it's a daily plan, so I start each day off fresh. I try not to concern myself with what I did yesterday, although what I do today is a prime concern. I can't really affect what I do tomorrow, so it's today. So one day at a time. That's a popular saying for those that struggle with addictions and things like that. It's to take it one day at a time. And I say often it's one hour at a time. So for me, I need to stick to my plan on a daily basis. Now, once in a while, 
And that means like maybe once a month, I can loosen up a little bit. Maybe there's a special celebration. Maybe during the Christmas season, and this is what I did last year, I had 24 hours where I had a few extra cookies, some sweet treats, things like that, but just 24 hours surrounding Christmas. I think I went from about 6 p.m. on Christmas Eve to about 6 p.m. on Christmas Day. I certainly have not followed that plan this year. I have been going overboard. So today is a new day. Tomorrow will be a new day, and I'm going to stick with my plan. I think that's a helpful thing to do. So that's been my two weeks. Hey, what's on my needles? I have finished up a lot of Christmas knits. I had several small projects I was trying to get done in time for Christmas. Uh, Some of those have already been delivered in the mail. Some of those will be opened up uh, Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. So I'm very happy with that. I did get in several uh, last-minute projects. I really only decided to do Christmas knits at the beginning of December because I have some larger projects I've been working on, but I have not put pictures of that up on my personal Instagram. Uh, And if you want to see stuff I knit, things like that, uh, you can go to my personal Instagram, which is just Tom Kreider, one word, T-O-M-K-R-E-I-D-E-R. And on Instagram, you can follow what I'm working on because I often take pictures. So I did take some pictures of these things, but I won't put them up until after Christmas. So you can look for them there. You can find those things there. But I did get some hats and some mittens and some scarves done for a few folks around Christmas time. For my sourdough update, I have been baking bread. I think now I've baked a total of six loaves. I've got two in the refrigerator waiting right now. I'm going to bake those tomorrow, and then I'm also going to bake two on Christmas Day. I find it real easy to bake two loaves at a time, two 500-gram loaves of sourdough, and that'll be loaves uh, 7, 8, 9, and 10. And, of course, you can see pictures of that up on my Instagram as as well. But it's going well. Some I made with uh, 10% whole wheat flour, 90% bread flour, and some I made with about 20% whole wheat, and a couple I made just with bread flour with no whole wheat. Now, I do have whole wheat in my starter, so it it does get that uh, in there, but not a lot. For example, if I make uh, a 1,000-gram recipe, so two 500-gram loaves, and that's the weight of the flour. So in a 1,000-gram recipe, you would put 200 grams of starter and my starter is 50% whole wheat, 50% bread flour. Even in a loaf of bread where I say there's no whole wheat, because of my starter, there is about a 7 or 8% of the flour in there was actually whole wheat. It goes from about a total, grand total of about 25% down to 7 or 8%, and that's what I've tried so far. The ones in the fridge right now are 10% added whole wheat when I mixed it, and also the whole wheat that was in the starter. Hopefully those are yummy. They smell good, and folks so far are saying uh, they've enjoyed them. But let's take a look at the news right now. I've got some articles here that I think you might find helpful. This first one was unexpected. I really was not ever thinking that this was a consideration, but I guess it is. This first article is entitled, Weight Loss Drugs Prompt Calls to Poison Center. 
Now, this is any drug, any medication you take, you can run the risk of an overdose. It can be intentional. It can be accidental. It could be taken accidentally or intentionally by someone who it's not even prescribed for. But they're saying now that the Ozempic, the Wegovi, the Manjaro, the various type 2 diabetes drugs, weight loss drugs like this, are now prompting calls to the poison control centers. And they're saying here, this article is talking about the U.S. poison control system. And they're saying here that most of these calls are from people who take it from a compounding solution. So not usually the injector pens that you get when you get it name brand through your healthcare provider, but these are like uh, off-label or what's the proper word? When they're compounded, when something else is mixed in with them by a pharmacy, and then you usually get that in a vial, and then you have to draw that up into a syringe and inject that, which I strongly recommend against. I recommend against using the compounded formulations because when they're from a manufacturer, you generally know exactly what you're getting. You generally know the dosage, the amount, the ingredients, and it's tightly regulated. But these compounding pharmacies, they can take multiple things and add them all together. And I don't know, to me that seems more risky. That's my personal opinion. But anyway, it's usually these people using these compounding solutions that draw up too much or inject it too frequently, things like that. They're saying it usually does not happen with people with the prescribed injector pens, like the Wegovi, the Manjaro, the Ozempic, things like that. They're saying that folks who are prescribed those injector pens, they only come four to a box, number one. And it's been my experience that you can only get one box at a time, unless maybe you're, I don't know, Oprah or someone like that. But it would be hard to overuse these because it's a single-dose injector pen. It only contains one dose. And you would have to inject multiple pens or more frequently than once a week to use too much. So I thought that was an interesting article. Again, I really do not recommend at all using those compounded formulations. I like to get it straight from the manufacturer. Of course, I don't get it at all anymore. Here's another one now talking about these weight loss drugs, Ozempic and Manjaro. And they're saying that although Ozempic had a greater lead start, Ozempic came out way before Manjaro did, both prescribed for type 2 diabetes. It says now that Manjaro is taking over and surpassing Ozempic, becoming more popular, because studies show it's more effective. Manjaro, we've talked about this before, but Manjaro has two ways of acting. They use a GLP-1, a glucon-like peptide 1, and also a GIP, glucose-dependent insulotropic polypeptide. But anyway, both of these things together are in the Manjaro, which is called terzepatide. And that's different from Ozempic, which is semeglutide. Ozempic only has the one instead of both. And they're finding, they're doing their studies, and more and more studies are coming out. Some more long-term studies are coming out. And they are finding that, in fact, using both of those GIP and the GLP-1, using them together, is proving to be more effective than when you only have the one. And I guess that makes sense. This is an improvement. It's a newer drug, and it is proving to be more effective. So it's becoming more popular, which I guess if you're taking it, could be bad. It could be that it's becoming harder to find, but I don't deal with that anymore. 
wish I did, but I'm not using that anymore. This third article here, this is interesting now. This one could lead to even more medications out there, more things to choose from for folks with type 2 diabetes. It says, scientists think they found a new cause of type 2 diabetes. Now, the reason I'm sharing this is because they're thinking it's going to become now a way to have a new class of medications that blocks this new pathways. And this has to do with nitric oxide. It's something that occurs naturally in your body. It's produced in almost every single cell you have. And it interacts with various enzymes in your body. And then these enzymes can control your hormones. And we do know that insulin is a big hormone that affects your blood sugar levels, among many other things. And it says that one of the things that they now believe can increase the risk of getting and also the effects of type 2 diabetes is an overabundance of this nitric oxide attaching to proteins like insulin. So when these nitric oxide molecules attach to things like insulin and other hormones and proteins, that it can impact the effectiveness of insulin. And of course, this is just for type 2 diabetes. Type 1 diabetes is when you really don't have insulin. Type 2 diabetes is when you're not effectively using the insulin you have and you're, you're resistant to it. They're now thinking that research will begin on or continue on ways to prevent or limit this nitric oxide, which again comes naturally from your cells, from letting it uh, not effectively attach to things like insulin and therefore letting insulin do its job more effectively. Here we go again, an, another new class of drugs. Now this one might be years away, but I, I'm very hopeful for things like this because folks need options, folks need other ways to effectively treat their diagnosis, so I think this is going to be a good one. All right, this next one here is now about exercise. Movement is a friend of ours. We know movement is good for us. And this article here is, is boldly titled, This is the best type of exercise for people on weight loss drugs like Ozempic. Now, I personally put the word best in air quotes because I think the type of movement and exercise that works for you is a personal thing you find out and you uh, go with something you enjoy doing. The fact of the matter is, whatever exercise you're going to do, whatever movement you're going to do, is the best for you. Because doing something that you're willing to do and enjoy doing, or at least tolerate doing, is better than what someone else calls the best, if you're not going to do that. Find what works for you. But anyway, what they're saying is that often they're finding that along with fat loss, with drugs like Ozempic or Manjaro, and that is why some people take them. It's not just their type 2 diabetes, but it also does help with excess fat. But they're finding that when folks are losing that fat, if they're not doing two things, if they're not continuing their movement or maybe even increasing their movement, and if they're not eating high protein or at least sufficient protein, they can lose some significant amounts of muscle along with the fat. Now, it is tricky to lose fat and not lose muscle, but there's things that they say here in this article that you can help at least uh, with that to avoid losing at least too much muscle. And that's basically weight training. Either body weight, doing push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, burpees. Burpees is a great one. Either body weight exercises or actually moving iron, lifting weights. Whatever works best for you, whatever you have the equipment or don't have equipment, find something that works for you. And they're saying here that 
is the best thing you can do is adding the weight training. Now, I also like walking. I think walking's fabulous, but walking is more of a low burner, a slow burner, and whereas weightlifting, that actually builds muscle. It builds muscle by breaking down muscle. The only way to build muscle is to use the muscle you have to fatigue and to really make your muscles tired. And then that night, they're going to build themselves up and make themselves stronger as long as you give them the protein that they need to be effective. This last article here, I think, is a helpful reminder because we do know for a fact that long-term ingestion of excess added sugar definitely can lead to overweight, it can lead to insulin resistance, and type 2 diabetes. So this article is entitled, Top 7 Sources of Added Sugar. Now this is in general. What you eat could be very different, and you could get your sugar from different places. You might eat very little sugar. But this is talking about typical folks and what they consume and where most people put in added sugar to their daily eating. Now we're not talking about natural sugars that occur in fruit or any plant like that. We're not talking about that. We're talking about intentionally adding sugar to food. And the number one place is probably is not a surprise, sugar sweetened beverages. So we're talking about soda. We're talking about Powerades. We're talking about almost anything that you buy in a can jar or bucket or at the fountain, that's a beverage that is usually going to have sugar in it. Even some fruit juices have added sugar. It's something really to watch out for. So that's the number one way that folks are getting in this added sugar. The next, of course, is desserts and sweet snacks. That's pretty obvious. You can't, I don't think anyway, can make cake or cookies or ice cream without adding in sugar. I think every recipe calls for that. Coffee and tea. Now, Coffee in itself, like I drink three good cups of coffee every morning, that's about a total of seven grams of carbohydrates, according to my fitness pal. But folks add sugar. If you go to, I don't know, Starbucks or someplace like that, and you order this caramel frappalappa mocha choca latte, that's tons of sugar. Even some of their teas or things like that, they come with syrups and sweetened creams. Like, I like nitro cold brew during the summer. Nitro cold brew. It's cold brewed coffee. It's never heated. It's always cold brew means heated cold, uh, not heated. It stays cold. And then they add a little gas to it, nitrous they add to it, and that gives it a little bit of a creamy flavor. There's certainly no calories in the gas. But then they offer it with these sweetened creams. And I'm thinking, oh my God, you're ruining it. So anyway, coffee and tea, if you add things to it, that's a big way folks get in extra sugar. And of course, just candy, plain old candy, candy cane, a lollipop, just plain old candy. Now here's one that's a little surprising, breakfast cereals and bars. You can get just cut oatmeal, but then, or you can get a granola bar that maybe has a little bit of honey or something in it, but you can also get total garbage. Some of the stuff they sell as breakfast bars, breakfast cereals, are just sugar. Watch out for that. The last one here is, there's two. First is sandwiches. Now, that's, we're thinking, how the heck do you get sugar in sandwiches? A lot of the bread, and I'm gonna give you one specific example here. Subway, you're probably familiar with Subway sandwiches, it's a chain. In Ireland, they're not allowed to call their bread 
bread. The Irish have a law saying that bread can only have certain things in it, and Subway puts too much sugar in their bread for it legally to be called bread in Ireland. And I thought that was very interesting. They cannot call it bread. I don't know what they call it. Do they call it cake slabs or a loaf of cake? I don't know. But there's too much sugar in there for them to legally call it bread. And maybe they had to change the recipe for Ireland. I don't know. Now the last one here is milk and yogurt. You can get some really good yogurt that's high protein, like Greek yogurt. But watch out. Even in that, some companies jam a whole lot of sugar. Now there's one called I don't know how you pronounce but I think it's S-K-Y-R, and it's from Iceland, I believe, or somewhere up there, and theirs doesn't have too much added sugar. Obviously, milk has natural sugar. It's called lactose. It has natural sugar. So does yogurt, but the problem is adding the sugar. Anyway, it's the added sugar that you're watching out for. Okay, so the topic for today... Now this episode is coming out on Christmas Day, and you may or may not celebrate Christmas, but December 25th, here in the U.S. certainly, we are celebrating Christmas, and for many folks, you can't help but get out and see the Christmas decorations, things like that, but regardless, this time of year tends to have a lot of parties, even if they're not Christmas parties, and New Year's parties, things like that. Parties can be a dangerous area if you're trying to eat healthy, watch what you're eating. I put together here 10 tips that you can use for navigating a party this time of year. Okay, so number one, plan ahead. This is a big one for me. I always like to have an idea of what I'm going to be doing going into the party. This is helpful if you know at least what types of foods will be there. And you might want to make a plan for yourself and avoid winging it, so to speak. Number two, eat veggies. Oftentimes you find on a buffet that they have, I don't know, maybe they might have crudite, celery, carrots, other vegetables, cucumber, tomatoes, things like that. Those are easy to eat, certainly will not affect your blood sugar. Watch your portion sizes of what you eat regardless is number three. Avoid going back for seconds. Maybe use some psychological tricks, use smaller plates, things like that to help control your portions. What I like to do is first scan everything that's there, look around, and then get a plate, put on that plate what I want, and then walk away from the buffet. And I like to just slowly eat off that plate and don't go back for more. When you're making choices, obviously lean proteins are good. If they have sliced ham, turkey, chicken, things like that, or maybe if it's during the summertime, and it's not this type of year, maybe they have burgers and whatnot. But lean meat uh, is a great choice. And I don't actually worry about the fat content in meat, but that's just me. So to me, any type of meat is a great choice. Obviously, like we just talked about in the news article, limit sugary drinks. Those sugary cocktails and the alcohol itself can sometimes throw you off your game. But maybe you switch to sparkling water or maybe just uh, water with some lemon, things like that. But it's a sugary cocktails that can really throw you for a loop. Be mindful of your dressings, your sauces, things like that. I find that, for me anyway, just a regular blue cheese dressing is great because it does not often have any added sugar. And it's a way to have some salad dressing without having a sugary uh, salad dressing. 
Pace yourself. And I like to do this. Like I said, I get my one plate. I eat slowly. I enjoy it. But then I don't find myself needing to fill a second plate real fast. This is a good tip, especially if you are drinking some alcoholic beverages. Alternate with water. Drink plenty of water because A, it's going to keep you full, and B, it's not going to let you have too much of the alcohol. And it'll also maybe be an alternative, having a glass of water in your hand versus having a little plate of treats and snacks and things like that in your hand. Keeps you busy, gives you something to do also, just carrying around that glass of water. When you go for the desserts, maybe instead of getting all those cookies and cakes and pies, maybe look to see if they have a fruit salad or maybe some really good dark chocolate. Those are some alternatives where you can have something sweet, but just not with a ton of that added sugar. And finally, you know, focus on having fun. It is a party. While we often have food at almost every party or gathering, it doesn't have to be the focus. Focus on the people. Focus on having fun. And that'll often get you through. So I hope that helps. Hope you can make some healthy choices. If you're going to a holiday party, maybe today when you're listening to this, or this week, or maybe for New Year's, hopefully that helps a little bit. So it's time for your questions. And we do have a question here. Actually, it's a comment. It's from Katie in Maryland. She says, hi, related to your sleep topic, I think it's smart to get screened and possibly tested for sleep apnea. It leads to a whole host of problems, including increased blood sugar. Katie from Maryland. Thanks, Katie. Thanks very much. And yes, you're right. We had talked about not getting good sleep as a cause of increasing your blood sugar. And I have proven that out even for myself, that if I go a couple of days only getting five or six hours, my blood sugar seems to rise or stay high on its own, even without having to eat a lot of sugar. So yes, now sleep apnea is more of a chronic issue, different from just having one night without enough sleep. But yes, sleep apnea is a long-term condition. Often it's uh, a breathing difficulty where you don't um, breathe properly or regularly while you're sleeping, and that can disrupt your sleep because you almost wake yourself up a little bit, taking that big gasp of air after maybe not having breathed for 15 or 20 seconds or hopefully not longer. But I know that uh, having sleep apnea and not getting a good night's sleep on a regular basis certainly is a contributor to many health issues because you're just not simply getting a good night's sleep. Also, it can't be good to not be breathing properly. So thanks for that, Katie. Thanks very much for writing in. And if you would like to write in, maybe with a comment about what we talked about today or you have a question or maybe a suggestion for a new topic, there's two quick ways to do that. First of all, you can send an email to tom at solvingtype2diabetes.com or you can pop over to the website solvingtype2diabetes.com, click on feedback, and then just fill out your little form and send it in. So I'd be very happy to hear from you. Maybe you have a comment about something we talked about. Maybe you know the difference between an optometrist and an ophthalmologist. Or for any reason, just write in. Be happy to hear from you. So what is next? This next episode will come out two weeks after December 25th. So that's the first week of January is the next time we're going to talk. And I would like to talk about 
Why I think New Year's resolutions are crap. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Solving Type 2 Diabetes podcast. I hope you found it valuable. Please follow and leave a five-star review as it helps other people find the podcast. By subscribing, you ensure you won't miss the next episode. You can always get a full transcript of the episode at SolvingType2Diabetes.com. There you will also find the links to leave feedback and links to follow on social media. I'm very interested in hearing from you with comments and suggestions. Thanks very much for listening. Please remember that everything I share is just from my own personal experience and should not be taken as medical or health advice. Please consult your own medical professionals. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only.